listening to the Girls Get Off podcast, an R18 podcast on all things female pleasure. Think girl talk, but real girl talk, where we chat all things masty, self-loving, sex, orgasms and more. Nothing is off limits, which means you get all the secrets, even our guests BFFs don't know. We're on a mission to make talking about getting off as fun as actually doing it. Ready to join the Mastination? Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Girls Get Off podcast. Today we're joined by a very special guest and we're talking couples counselling and also intimacy and I reckon this has been one of my most favourite episodes yet. For sure. We were even crying a couple of times in there. Well, I think I was twice. You were one like teary-eyed. Oh, um, see, I'm even choked up for words now. Just hearing these stories about more than sex, right? Like more than just... It's not what I expected from this episode like I just thought I will just you know end up talking about communication or whatever and there's just so much more to that the way that she explains it is just so on point and I think everyone can relate to the ideas and um, the experiences that she's talking through in this episode absolutely and like she says at one point like when this couple yeah realized that they could have done this sooner right like but we just don't think of these things. So, yeah, massive episode, I feel. Um, and really also, even if you're not in a relationship central, and it's something that you might want in the future, I think this episode benefits everyone because um, it would put, it gives you a, bit, a different perspective of what a relationship can look like and how that has, you know, there's almost like before and afters that she talks about of couples that she's worked with. Absolutely. I mean, how much... Better, like I feel a lot more equipped going into a relationship one day. I don't know about you, but listening to things like this, even though I am single, oh my gosh, I think my relation, my future relationships are going to be so, like, so much better because of these things we're learning. You just feel like you've got the tools. I know, absolutely. Okay, so I'll read a bit of a bio for Gemma and then we will get into it. So Gemma is a counsellor, sex therapist in private practice in Tauranga, supporting individuals and couples through a wide range of challenges and struggles with a special interest in the area of sex and intimacy. Gemma speaks to us about one of the biggest facilitators of deep connection in sex and intimacy and shares with permission some client stories. Amazing. Thanks for joining us, Gemma. So excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. And look, tell us where you got started. How did you come to be a sex therapist and a couples counsellor? So um, I did my counselling training, finished my counselling training in um, 2019, I think. And um, through the process of counselling, through the process of the programme, you've got to have um, practicums like placements that you go and you practice to be the person that you're becoming in the professional capacity. And um, so my my final practicum, which I then um, had also been lucky enough to gain employment at, was at Waipuna Hospice. Um, and so interestingly, that's where my journey around um, interest in sex and intimacy came about, which might sound a bit weird because <laughs> it's death and dying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I had a few couples, not many, most of my... Um, most of my clientele there were sort of in their 70s, 80s, 90s, as is often the case with hospice. Um, but every now and then I would get younger clients, um, particularly sort of like in their maybe 30s. Um, and if it was particularly 
a um, man with prostate cancer, which makes it very difficult and in a lot of cases impossible to gain and maintain an erection. Um, he and his wife would be wanting to maintain intimacy but not knowing how. And so my boss at the time there um, is a registered um, sex therapist, um, registered New Zealand sex therapist, and so I, when her and I had never had this conversation before, and I went to her and I said, I've got this particular um, um, client that I'm working with, I was working with the wife at the time, and, um, and said to her, um, you know, they're wanting to maintain intimacy, can you give me some, some tips? And so um, this was over Zoom, I think, at the time, because it was around the COVID stuff as well, and, um, and she just started talking about masturbation and ejaculation and um, you know does it hurt for him to ejaculate um, has um, have they has she watched him masturbate how often does he masturbate it was just like all of these words that felt like a verbal assault you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was like I could feel my I could feel myself getting flushed and and getting quite embarrassed about this whole conversation um, but once I got over myself and actually um, you know surrendered into the wisdom that she was imparting on me um, there was a huge amount to learn and I was just like holy shit this is like there's so much here that people don't even know about well certainly none, no, none of the people in my circles knew about and um, and so I worked with this um, with this couple I was working with the wife um, initially and um, and the husband was was quite um apprehensive to come and have this um, session because obviously talking about this stuff is, is not, you know, if it's, a diff if it's difficult often for women to talk about it, it's certainly very difficult for men to talk about it, especially because this was, a, his masculinity was in question, mm, you know, yeah. because he couldn't gain or maintain an erection. And um, he was catheterised and there were a whole lot of other issues, sort of medical issues that made all of that quite difficult, you know. And, um, and so we... Um, I had the conversation with the wife and um, and then thankfully the husband had the courage to come in and um, and join us for a session and you know I was just very candid to start with I'm going to be talking about erections about masturbation around you know and and it was a little bit uncomfortable to start with but again um, once they recognized that this was for their benefit and it was about their connection um, um, some of those walls came down all of the walls came down and um, so we had a very candid conversation and um, and really just sort of got stuck into um, to exploring intimacy rather than sex. So they had come very much from the um, from the perspective, which I think a lot of people continue to do, that um, very ejaculation focused, um, very um, erection centric, um, very um, penetrative, you know, penetrative sex based, and so. Um, when we were exploring things like exploring the body as a whole erogenous zone, um, using different textures, different, um, you know, ice or um, wax or, you know, um, tassels, leather, silk, you know, um, and central massage and that kind of thing, um, they just had never considered any of those kinds of things before. And um, they'd been together for quite some years. I do have permission from the, the husband who's since passed, I do have permission from the wife to share this, although I'm not sharing any identifying factors. Um, and so we had this conversation, they went away, they came back a couple of weeks later, and they came in and sat down and they just cried. They just said, we only wish we'd explored this 20 years ago. Oh. You know, um, they just said it was the most meaningful thing, the most beautiful way that they have ever connected. Um, and I think he might have passed maybe five, six months after that. Um, so 
what a heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cry on the podcast the first time ever. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. it was it was incredibly meaningful and it really showed me the importance of that connection. Intimacy you know? rather than sex. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm choked up. <laughs> and that it, that it is about connection. It is so beautiful and we've dirtied it. You know, society dirties sex. They make it, you know, society makes it dirty. The patriarchy, whatever, um, you know, pushes it into the shadows of shame. And here I was with this beautiful couple just bawling their eyes out because they the only regret that they had was that they hadn't explored this earlier. You know, and so, um, and so, thus began my wow. you know, my journey around working, particularly in the area. I don't only work in the area of um, of sex and intimacy. I do work um, generally with you know a lot of the common um, a lot of the common um, I guess issues and challenges that people bring into the room, like anxiety and depression and and anger and that kind of thing. But um, but that was my light bulb moment in terms wow. of yeah, my practice well, because it was so like amazing. how meaningful like really changing people's lives just yeah them aware of that hey yeah and I want to circle back to what you said in terms of you know the the perspective is that the right word or the the perception that they had at the beginning of it being about penetrative sex and sex and so on you must see that all the time all the time yeah yeah, yeah. and what are some of the biggest factors that cause us to think like that I feel like that's going to be a stupid question but I'd like to hear that from you <laughs> well yeah I mean um you know we do have a lot of um focus on porn these days you know um a lot of our a lot of our um teens you know um I can't remember exactly the statistic I think it's um kids from around about 12 um something like 79 80 percent of kids have seen have been exposed to porn um not because they're necessarily seeking it because they're um you know Put like for example, my then ten-year-old, um, quite some years ago, loved space, and he put into um, put into Google um, black holes. Well, you can imagine what came up, can't you? Oh you know, and he was this innocent ten-year-old looking for something to do with space. Yeah. He's like, "Which one is it, Mum?" I was like, "It's none of those. And so you know, and so boom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> straight away. <laughs> you know, wow. innocence, innocence in question, and so um, yeah, it's and and I saw that um, I spent some time um, on a practicum in one of our local colleges, and um, that was very, very evident that this is how this is how you know kids these days, teenagers are um, accessing what it means to be in an intimate relationship is porn. You know, um, and so there's so much need for education. It's lack of education. It's, you know, sex for the purposes of procreation. Um, there's no focus on things like pleasure. Um, you know, my daughter's school recently said that um, they sent out a thing saying this is what we are, we, um, what do they call it, um, safe relationships or whatever they call it. And this is the, you know, the, the sort of the current day sex education and um, they said, you know, read through this and do any do any parent if you any parents have any um, feedback, please let us know. Well, I had, <laughs> I had feedback. <laughs> I think I saw that on your story. <laughs> I had feedback um, because yeah, there's just no there's no focus on on pleasure. Yeah, you know, like that's the central thing. It's like actually engaging in intimacy for pleasure. So generally, our first, you know, sexual experience is so clumsy. Like it's clumsy, and it's um, it's not sort of tender and explorative and communicative. You know, it's just like 
you know, in a lot of cases from what I've heard, it's not very good at all, you yeah. know. And um, and so, and that's the foundation that we lay and then we just build from there and we're just stumbling through just like not actually having any idea what's going on, you know. Yeah. And so that focus around penetrative sex is, um, it's historical, again, it's patriarchal um, and and it just is informed by the, the, the education that we have in place and the, or lack thereof um, and just... Yeah, like I said, porn um, and and just the absolute disastrous lack of, of awareness, you know. Yeah. And so what about for those couples who might even be listening going, how do I change it? What do I do next? Yeah, well, communication is the lubrication of life. So <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to that, Fib? <laughs> <laughs> so I love it, it. Is, it is it's key it is that's a central key to it all it's um it's actually having the the courage because it does take courage to have these conversations because we have to be vulnerable you know we have to be vulnerable in these conversations and that's generally the 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 you know the the big obstacle is is the the need to be vulnerable the need to sort of say um you know if I'm working with couples and um <coughs> for example there was one couple and um and sh- um, he, that we got onto the topic of um, of blowjobs, and he said, "Well, you know, I haven't had one of those for a long time." And and um, and so we were talking about that, and um, they'd been together for about thirteen years, and a year into it, um, there was a there was an interaction that happened around a blowjob, and um, and so there were no other blowjobs that happened after that time. So twelve years of no blowjobs. So we were unpacking that. I said, "Please explain to me what's you know what's what's happened in that," and. Um, she said to him, well, you know, you, you, you made a noise which showed that obviously you weren't enjoying it and so that was, that was it. And he was like, wait, what? What, what the fuck? What are you saying? And he, she said, you know, you made this noise. And he was like, that's because I was enjoying it. And she was like, what? Twelve years. <laughs> 12 years. Like no conversation, no conversation for 12 years around no blowjobs, you know, like – and and so that he went, he was like, what the fuck? Twelve years, no, no job. He was oh like, I gosh. thought that you didn't like doing it. And and she was like, she was like, I thought that you didn't like it. He was, she was like, I would love, I would love to. He was like, I can't even, I can't even, I don't even know what's happening here. I just, I don't even know. <laughs> And and that was it. It oh was like God. you know that this that it's this unspoken communication that's <laughs> so powerful, and we allow our brains to just fill in the gaps. We make these assumptions, and so often we're wrong, you yeah. know. Um, and, and the same can be said about um, about all aspects, all aspects of foreplay, all aspects of intimacy. It's just like well, you 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 looked at me this way, so or you made this noise, or you said this thing, and. No further conversation happens about it, and and like, who knows what's happened in that engagement? You know, so it's like communication is absolutely central. It's so central to everything, and it is about it's it's not just because it's the recognition that foreplay happens at the end of the last sexual encounter. So I left a silence there to okay. let everybody think I about get it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's so it's no, like I'm I'm lost. I yeah, might so need another pause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like at the end of the last sexual encounter, um, from that point until the next sexual encounter, all that space in between, oh, yeah, going to yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. it's all foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's all it's sending a text saying, I was so grateful for the dinner that you made me last night. Yeah, like Paul. you can't be a dick and then expect them to be <laughs> yeah. in the mood. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> or but even on the other side of the coin, just just doing nice things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like aftercare. <laughs> yes. Yes. Joe, just make always me a cup of tea. <laughs> just make me a cup of tea. <laughs> I always managed to bring the negative into relationship talks. <laughs> don't be a dick. But don't be a dick is a good one. Yeah, Tony. that's yeah. also important. <laughs> I love it. But but it is. It's it's um it's those little it's those little exchanges. You know, it's like holding when you're saying goodbye to your partner in the morning. It's holding the kiss for lo- like slightly longer. You know, like it's pausing and making eye contact. It's um. Sending a text in the middle of the day and saying, um, you know, you looked so beautiful the other night when we went out for dinner. It, you know, it's like showing that you are thinking about your I'm going to cry for a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't be okay. a dick, though. Don't be a dick. No, send me nice messages like that. Listen to Gemma. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, keep it going. What but else? It is, but it, it is it, like if humour is an aspect because some people like there's there's banter, right? Like you have banter. So if that's what your communication style is, it's like go with that. And it's exploring things like love languages. Um, you know, like I was working with a couple and um, they were at crisis because typically couples come into counselling when they are in crisis. You know, like, shit's happened, shit's hit the fan, Um, you know, she's cheated or he's cheated or something's happened, and um, when really if they had come in six months or a year, or in some cases years earlier, because some of these toxic patterns go on for years, you know, um, and so they come in when the shit's really hit the fan, and it's a lot more difficult to pull a relation back from that certainly not certainly not impossible absolutely not impossible but it's a lot more difficult when those patterns have been the longer those toxic patterns have been established for the more difficult it is to pull the relationship back and it does take work and I hear it all the time like generally it's a guy's going oh this is work because <laughs> <laughs> what you guys are currently doing isn't work right you know like what you guys are currently it's doing more, suck yeah it's more draining <laughs> way like, more draining in a bad relationship yeah with way more draining yeah yeah and so I was working with this um with this couple and we hadn't really explored um love languages we had explored um conflict styles and communication patterns and that kind of thing and um and so, but we had touched on the ways that they feel loved and supported by each other. And um, and so he had gone out, he was really putting in this effort. And um, and so he had gone out and he'd put together this beautiful gift box, um, spend a huge amount of money and time and energy on this beautiful gift box with all of her favourite things, you know, it was so beautiful. And um, her favourite hand cream or something, and they didn't have it, so he had to order it in, and all this time and energy put into it. And so she was working from home, and she's tapping around the laptop, and he comes home with this gift box, and he puts it down beside her, and she, she turns and she looks at it, and she's like, oh my God, that's so amazing, it's beautiful. Looks up at him and says, thank you so much, it's so thoughtful, it's amazing, it's, thank you so much. And then keeps tapping away, to, you know, because she was working. Well, he just hit the roof. He was just like, that, that wasn't enough, you know. He wanted her to acknowledge the hand cream, acknowledge the special chocolates, like have a chocolate, like he wanted more, you know, and the the little kind of response that she gave him wasn't enough and to him that was just, that was kind of it, like he'd put all this effort in. And so um, he ended up moving out for like a week or something and they came in the next week and they were explaining it to me and, um, and she said, how, and the whole time that we've been together, because again I think maybe 
over a decade together and the whole time that we've been together how do I normally receive gifts and he was like oh yeah no you're shit at receiving gifts (laughs) and she was like so like and so we talked about love languages and she was um words of affirmation and quality time and he was gifts and physical touch and so when we broke it down and they understood what motivated both of them in terms of how they needed to be loved and how they loved on each other it just like transformed everything it transformed everything so it's dependent on what the issues are that have occurred for the couple um we will look at, you know, I'll sort of look at guiding down different pathways. So whether it's love languages, whether it's communication, it's always communication. It's always communication. <laughs> Viv, it's always communication. <laughs> I know. My bloody Gallup strengths finder <laughs> speaks the truth. <laughs> but yeah, it is. Communication is at the foundation of it all. But there are different sort of pathways dependent on what the issues are that we will look at um, going down to help support wherever those couple, wherever that couple's at at the time. Um, and so if it is around, um, like, love languages, so, for example, like, words of affirmation is such an, is such an easy one. If, if your top love language is words of affirmation, you can do that in text, you know. You can be sending beautiful text messages. Um, but it, it also is looking at that person and what they're, you know, what they're like. So if it's more, if your words of affirmation but you're a banter person, which I'm kind of feeling a bit of banter, Joe. <laughs> then it is about, you know, it is about kind of, um, you know, like banterish terms of endearment for one another. So rather than going, oh, you know, um, my love or, you know, my, my, you know, my beautiful partner or whatever, it might be, you know, stop being a dick. And that might just be the yeah, way that like you, I go, think you I guys engage. I think I would in my mouth <laughs> If I got some romantic card or something. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what Joe would call a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm> a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it is about working. What you know, like if that's what you're like, Joe, then you're in the first place not going to be attracting somebody who you know is going to be all not a poet. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. certainly not. <laughs> a poet in a different way satire perhaps (laughs) Um, so it is so it's working with who your personality and it's working with who each of you are and um, and bringing those to the to the strengths of the relationship you know playing those strengths up into the relationship and and importantly not expecting something that the other person can't give you know because expectations are huge expectations yeah they're huge. Expectations are the birthplace of resentment, and the resent and resentment is the beginning of the end. Yeah, you know, like we we really need to be checking our expectations. It's a, expectations is kind of it's like a, a word that's dirtied because it's like oh no expectations, but um we all have expectations and that's okay. So yeah. it's it's the recognition that it that it's necessary to have expectations. Um, what what holds us back is when we're not communicating our expectations with people yeah. and we're just expecting people to have crystal balls, you know, like, and I hear this so often in my sessions, like, you know, well, you know that I don't like that. And he's like, when have you told me that you don't yeah. like that? Yeah. And she's like, well, like, it's, isn't it obvious? And he's like, not to me, it's not. <laughs> yeah. you know? But even just the expectation of giving that amazing gift and expecting her yes. reaction to be more than what it was that was kind of the downfall mm-hmm. his expectation right mm-hmm. like because if he didn't have that expectation it would have gone a lot smoother yes yes so absolutely yeah, I get all this yeah 
<laughs> I, I did a, I did a, I actually did a, a personal development course one weekend and by the end of the weekend it was almost funny when people would get up and talk about their things because it was all about the expectations so everyone by the end we were like oh god here we go again like everyone their stupid little human brains like, um but anyway you mentioned you know some people are coming to you at crisis point did you just say a stupid silly little human brain yeah that's what I said I said to my friend yesterday we're talking she's got a new job and I'm like it's so good it's just your silly little human brain and, you know make your own sure of it um but anyway you talk about these couples who are coming to you at crisis point or you know perhaps they should have come 10 years earlier what are some of the the signs or as joe might say the red flags as to when (laughs) when people should be thinking about maybe therapy would be a good time for them yeah and this um and i guess it's important to point out that you know as as a therapist myself we all have slightly different approaches as therapists, you know. So we're all slightly different people, and um, and so what I'm sharing is um, is is based off my my training and my continued professional development, but it's also based off my because um, who we are as therapists is who we are as people, yep. you know. And so um, so it's sort of based off my personal um, experience, and it's based off um, all the things that have come together, all the different components that have kind of. Um, drawn together to make me who I am and so it's important that <coughs> excuse me that there's a recognition that I'm not the canvas for the whole of the counselling community <laughs> you know um, but but I think in terms of the red flags um, it's it's what I look at is when the patterns have started to occur so what is the, the history or the whakapapa of this particular pattern so if we've got um, you know, if we've got something like um, taking the piss, taking the piss is something that comes up quite a bit. Like, there'll be something that's important to her, and he'll take the piss out of that, and <clears throat> he continues to to do that, and she's just getting more and more resentful. Like, more, it's just blood's boiling more and more and more because it might be something like, um, you know, say they are sitting down watching a movie or something, and um, she might grab more of the chocolate, and he'll be like, "Whew, slow down." And, you know, and so, and, and then there might be another little comment about that or another little comment about that. And, and that kind of, you know, and he's doing it in good fun, but shit, that's, 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 and depending on her history, if, I mean, there could have been a history of an eating disorder or something. And so that's going to cut, yeah. you know, and so with that, we need to, the sort of my role from some of the training that I've done is three times. So if this thing happens once, you can kind of, it happens and you can go, okay, what is that? Where where am I feeling that? What is that about? Where does that come from? You know, um, what is this feeling? Is it anxiety? Is it anger? What like exploring it in yourself, and then going, okay, so I'm just aware of that. I'm aware of where it might come from from my past, like past um, relationship wounds or childhood stuff or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's the first time that it comes up. When it comes up again, you're like, mm, okay, so here it is again. So this is I'm starting to this is starting to feel like something now. Like there's a bit more sort of body to it. By the third time, depending on what the thing is, if the thing's a big thing, then we want to be addressing it straight away. But if there's because the, it's these little corrosive things that happen over time, and those are the ones that are that are um, typically the relationship killers, because they eat away, they eat they're insidious, they eat away, and so you want to get to the third time and then go, okay, now I need to have a conversation with you about it, and so then you say, look. Um, what I've known, and we're, we're we're being very mindful of our of our of our communication <laughs> in this. <laughs> you know, not like you're a dick. You know, <laughs> we're wanting to say um, we're wanting to say. You know, I've noticed that um, that this has become a bit of a pattern where um, you 
have said this um, a few times and um, and I'm just noticing that it's making me feel upset, it's making me feel sad and the reason that it's making me feel sad is because my dad that you know I don't have a good relationship with used to say this to me when I was little, when I was a little girl and it makes me really sad when you say that. Now I'm assuming that you don't want to make me upset so um, can we have a conversation about maybe where that's coming from in you, like what you know what's happening for you when you're saying that to me and um, and let's work on on making that less so that we don't so that, so that, that we don't have to, this doesn't become a pattern you know because that's what we're wanting to do all of these things they become patterns and so every single person that we're in relationship with like you guys have a pattern you have a pattern with each person in your family your colleagues your everybody you've got a pattern with um, the issue is when that pattern is problematic you know like when there's when there's um, when there's toxic stuff or there's stuff that is making you feel, um, you know, making you feel shit about yourself or making you feel drained or, you know, whatever the case may be, though that's when you're wanting to jump on that. You're wanting to become aware of those patterns and, and how they're making you feel. Um, and so that's kind of my role is like the three, again, unless it's something major. If it's yep. something major that has just knocked you off your, you know, knocked you off your perch, then you want to you wanna hit that straight away. But otherwise, it's like sort of three times and then, and then, then if you cut it off then, then it's not going to become a pattern, you know. So it's about needing to become aware of those things. Because what I see is then, what I see is that, 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 that thing that isn't cut off at the third time can become a pattern over years and, and that's what I see. And then the disconnect grows and grows and grows and grows and what happens in that regard is then they start looking external to the relationship for that fulfilment. So whether that's in a, another person, um, whether that's in... Um, exercise or work or whatever the case may be but they will look and start to look external yeah yeah Yeah. wow um do you do you would you recommend um or at what point kind of is optimal to start um like as a couple seeing a couple therapists together like because from past experience I'm like shit if I was in a relationship for six months now before anything went bad, I reckon I'd start like monthly couples counselling. Yeah. Just mm. to try and find any red flags. <laughs> <laughs> just in case I miss something. Get someone else to check. No, 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 no. Just to, keep, just, just to keep it, you know, like before, because yeah. I don't think I ever want to spend a part of my life in a bad relationship again. So I think that's kind of. Like my tactic anyway is just to keep things healthy. Yeah. And at least if it's not healthy, that'll kind of make it clear, right? And then you yeah. can bail. Absolutely. And and I think six months is a great is a great um, kind of benchmark, I suppose. Um I, I typically don't see that, although I have seen this um, once and I, and I asked this couple, I said, I'm going to be using you, you guys as an example, is that okay? <laughs> and they were like, you, you absolutely, go for gold. Um, and so they were in their, um, they are in their late 20s, um, they'd been together for six months um, and they came in and said, look, um, we really like each other, we're really digging the relationship, we um, get on really well, the sex is great. Um, we are starting to look towards the future, and we just want to make sure that we've that we're you know that we are 
working on the things that we need to work on, that we're aware of, the, like any of the blind spots, you know, because we have blind spots in relationships. And in that sort of first six months to a year, you're in the honeymoon um, period, which is often when the rose-tinted glasses are on and you don't see those sort of less appealing parts of your of your partner. And so they were like, we want to know, we want to explore our love, language, love languages, we want to explore our communication style, our conflict style. And I just sat there and just <laughs> went, holy shit. That's you go, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't, I just don't see that. I see crisis. That's just all I see, you know. Or yeah. it might be that I will be working with an individual who uh, the focus is on the relationship and every session is about the relationship. And I'm like, it's very difficult to work with an individual mm. when the whole thing is focused on the relationship if we're not working with both people. Yeah. You know, um, so it's one or the other, but it's generally focused around the problems in the relationship, you know, the challenges in the relationship. So this this um, couple in their late 20s that came in, it was just like, wow. Uh, amazing, right? Not yeah. the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's so, like, we just, there's so much that we don't know. Like, and it's, and it's you know, obviously not just about sex and intimacy, because the thing is, if, is if we get the connection right, and if we get the communication right, then the intimacy is going to just take care of itself. Yeah. You know, like if you feel safe, because safety is more important than love. So if you feel safe with that person, you feel safe to lower your walls, to be vulnerable, to expose, um, you know, aspects of yourself that you might not have exposed to other people before, you are going to feel safe and intimate connection with that person. You know, and so it's 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 so um, heartening to me when I see people coming in when they're not in crisis. You know, and sometimes that they, that younger couple were definitely an exception to the rule. But sometimes I can be working with an individual, and then they might engage together, and they might not necessarily be in crisis. But they and interestingly, couples that aren't in crisis um, can the the uptake on the work that we're doing tends to be more efficient, for want of a better word, because they're not in crisis. Oh, you right. Know? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're not in crisis. Because when you're in crisis, you've got so much to have to remember all the time, and that's what I keep hearing is, oh, my God, it's so much work. But like you said, like being in a shitty relationship is hard work yeah. anyway. Like your adrenaline is always going. Like they get home, you're like, oh, God, they're home. You know, and, and there's all this dread and all this kind of what are they going to say? What are they going to be like when they've, you know, have they had a bad day? Um, you know, all of these things that just become such toxic but normal parts of your life, which are just awful. They're just horrible. And so if you can instead harness that work, the harness the energy that you're putting into that work into stuff that's going to be more beneficial and more meaningful and more about connection in the relationship, doesn't that make sense? I mean, Makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so what would be your top three tips for intimacy in a relationship? Well, not surprisingly, communication. I kind of run with like a three C's thing. So communication, consistency and connection. Um, and so at the foundation of it is, is the connection. So if we don't have the connection, I mean, if you don't have a connection with somebody, then you're probably not going to pursue it unless there's been, unless there's some trauma bonding going on, in which case there is connection, but it's very unhealthy, you know. So we want to be looking at the foundation of the connection first and the different aspects that come into um, that you know, come into what makes up that connection, which I will sometimes refer to as the three L's, which are like, love and lust. Um, and so, 
you want to like that person, you know, like because you can love someone. Like I love my children, but I often don't like them, you know. <laughs> so you want to like that person, you know, like you want to actually like them. Yes. Um, and and the love will will often, if the connection is there, the love will often sort of also take care of itself. Like sometimes you might not like them. Sometimes you'll be like, you're a dick today. You're just being a dick. But the love is what kind of pulls you through, you know. Yeah. Um, the lust, which is what happens in that honeymoon phase, changes over time. And and the, the transition that I highlight is that it changes from um, lust to desire, which is, is, is a different thing. And you need to work to keep um, maintaining desire, particularly in a longer term relationship. Like that does take work. It takes, and it takes continued exploration. Like who I was... Who I was as a sexual being in my 20s is very different to who I am as a sexual being now, you know. So we grow and change. So you want to be checking in with that person, with the person that you're in intimate yeah. connection with. Um, <clears throat> there's a, there's, um, there's an, uh, an American um, therapist who... Um, a sex therapist who's come up with a yes no maybe list and um, and so I'll often explore that kind of thing with couples in terms of intimacy as well so um, she's sex with Emily is her um, is her um, Instagram and the yes no um, maybe list is an alphabetized list of um, intimate activities like starting from things like um, anal rimming giving and receiving um, anal penetration giving and receiving all the way down to Z with everything in between um, and so sometimes if couples are feeling stuck in terms of desire I might um, present that as a, as a um, tool to explore you know um, so we, we want to be working on that We'd, we don't want to let that die and the, the, the key That's thing is... starting pretty strong. Straight for anal rimming. Straight. Followed up with anal penetration. Off to a flying start. <laughs> Third date, let's explore. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to explore the third date, John, you can. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, and it, I mean the the idea of the yes no maybe is that the the people take the list and they and they go oh. away and they do it separately yes. so that and then you come back together and you're like wow that's a yes for you that's definitely not a yes for me but this is a maybe and I see that that's that's a maybe for you so maybe let's explore oh, yeah, that that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And oh some like the list is pretty out the gate, and sometimes I have couples going, "I have never heard of that in my life. <laughs> I don't know what that is." Um, I wouldn't want to Google that one. <laughs> <laughs> what peg? Black holes are bad. So yeah, so it's it's really it's where we put intention, you know. Yeah. It's, it's and we have to prioritize our relationships. Like, we have to do that, and that's a choice that we have to make. And if we don't, they will suffer. You know, I often um, I often regard relationships like gardens. Like, if you just don't do anything to your garden, then the weeds are going to take over, and it's just going to turn to shit. Like, we have to be putting effort into our relationships, and if we don't, it shows, yeah. you know. And so, um, so if we work on the to come back to connection, consistency, and um, communication, so we, we want to be working on that on that. Um, connection and and looking at the love like and lust you know so um, even when the lust has has um, you know transferred over into desire we still want to be fostering that we want to be tending to it and nurturing it and nourishing it and exploring it with each other um, and so that's kind of the connection um, then the the communication again is just if we can if we can establish the um, the communication early on in the relationship then that's going to also continue you know then we we set ourselves up well for 
for you know uh, for the longevity in terms of our in terms of our relationship, um, and you know and really focusing on the things that are important in terms of our central value. So, if um, if honesty is a really important central value, then what what does that mean? Like. Um, and and sometimes that's about exploring different attachment styles as well. Like if we're an, an insecure attacher or an avoidant attacher or whatever whatever the case may be. Um, so using these again, using these different tools to support the best way that we are, can actually establish an intentional communication foundation, you know, and just being really um, really open about that and open open to exploring it. So. Yeah, communication is central, and then consistency. So, as the name suggests, the word suggests, it's about being intentional about about engaging in those things consistently. And um, you know, consistency is key because again, we might come in to the early early on in the early stage of the relation of the relationship, and we're all guns blazing, and it's all you know, it's it's all you know, mythical and magical, and and then over time, you know, just life. Just yeah. you know, like the the work and other responsibilities and and all the things just sort of start to creep back in and take a little bit more, um, become a little bit more dominant, and the and the, and then the relationship sort of falls onto the back burner a little bit, and there's less, um, often less motivation to. It's just kind of like that's it, just a nice thing that's over there, but it's again, what we're not putting intention into, it shows. You know, it it. it um, it impacts, and it impacts on our well-being. Like we, we know if if we're not putting that that energy and that intention into our relationships, you know. So, the the necessity is to be, you know, being intentional about about pouring love, pouring intention, pouring energy into that relationship, and into um, understanding understanding where the person's coming from. Understanding is key, you know. Again, what I see is I'll have a couple and they'll come in and they're sitting on opposite ends of the couch and they're sort of arms folded and frowny faces and, you know, often he's been dragged in by her, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and so they're sitting there and you that's like there's a canyon between them and um, and and she's really angry and he's really angry and they're sort of doing this thing and I'm like, you know, they're going back and forth and I'm like, you guys are paying me to watch you do something that you do at home. Is this constructive? It doesn't feel <laughs> constructive. Um, and and so then we sort of, you know, we, we break it down and he's like, the, you know, he's, he's, the body language is very, very clear. But then what happens is I start to um, kind of inquire into what's happening for her. This is what I'm gender stereotyping here, so I need to make that clear. Um, and so I start inquiring into what's happening for her and then she starts to cry. And then he, he suddenly she starts crying and becoming sad. He will turn and he will be like move closer to her and he will comfort her and he will put his hand on her on her leg because she's being vulnerable, you know. Because it's a lot easier to support sadness that it, than it is to support anger. And anger is one of the dominant. It's it's the one of the dominant things that I see in these relationship um, interactions. But anger is typically not the primary emotion. Like. So often, from a counselling perspective, anger is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, and that's what you see in an iceberg is is the anger, but what lies underneath is often sadness and a whole lot of other shame, guilt, regret, remorse. You know, um, there's so many other things that inform the basis of that iceberg. Um, so it's about actually dialing down the anger and looking at what's underneath that. And so often, when we when we actually mine into that, it is sadness and. And in that instance, you know, he wants to love on her and and support her, 
you know. Um, so understanding is key. When he understands that that's about sadness for her and that, and that you know, that she, that what's happening there isn't about, you know, isn't about the fact that he's leaving towels on the ground or that she's not, you know, got dinner ready or whatever. Like, again, very gender stereotypical. It's terrible. <laughs> but, um, but it's not actually about that. It's not yeah. about any of those things. It's about often a lack of respect. It's about not feeling heard. It's about um, the, the disconnect in that connection, you know. Mm. And so understanding is key. When we can understand where somebody's coming from, it totally transforms how we feel about that person, you know. Um, and and I just I that is one of the the key ones. Like you can be angry with somebody, and um, but then actually, what I say with my um, what I say with clients, especially if I have people coming in around anger, um, that I care less about their behaviour and more about their why. Like why are you doing that? Why are you punching holes in walls? Why are you cheating? Why are you... Because there's something behind that. And there's often pain behind that. There's always pain behind it. You know, so if we can go behind it and understand what's behind that, then all of a sudden the behaviour actually doesn't take centre stage anymore. It's about how can we actually support that person in the way that they need to be supported and loved. And when you do that, that behaviour will always change. I like it. <clears throat> oh, very cool. So great. And so you've got these intimacy cards in front of us, best self. Talk us through what these this intimacy deck is. Yes, yes. So um, so 150 prompts, as it says, it says a tool for deeper connection and conversation with your partner. So um, so I utilise these. I will, I will either, um, you know, encourage couples to go and get a deck themselves or I will lend mine out or we will go through and pick a few of the um, a few of the questions that really feel um, feel like they're relevant to to that particular couple and we'll write them down and I'll give them a page of those questions um, because because yeah I, I can't follow couples around because I'll get arrested <laughs> so um, and I also just don't have time or the inclination for that um, and so yeah so these these um, cards are broken down into um, into different sort of categories and um, and so we I'll often just sort of pick the cards um, at random and again there's a good number of them like 150 is a good a good you know, that's a good lot to pick from. Um, and so just for example, this one, um, which is the about you category, what do you think are my worst qualities? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, what a start. <laughs> <laughs> um, the intimacy category, what do I do that turns you on the most? Nice. Um, yeah, that's good. Relationship. Are there any areas of our relationship that you feel lack trust? Explain. Oh. Life is what's your biggest pet peeve? You just wouldn't get these normally, would you? No. I wouldn't think of these. Yeah. Um, random, the random category. Which animal, you, which animal do you think is your spirit animal and why? Um, the past. Tell me something you believed as a child that makes you laugh now. And I think that's all the categories. Cool. So, yeah, so there's, um, yeah, I mean, there's what do you wish we did more of in our sex life? How has your childhood or upbringing shaped your sexuality? Wow, so it's just a different way to just know more. Yeah, prompts to start those conversations, hey? Yeah. 
all that communication. communication. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dirty C word, babe. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. You, honestly, every guest we have, we have like on the podcast, it all essentially comes back to communication, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> awesome. Oh well, thank you so much for coming on today. That's just been so awesome. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people. And if people do want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? How, how can they follow your content? Um, so that I can um, give you links to yeah, that, um, links to both my, um, I'm in private practice here in Tauranga, so um, either there or to my um, social media. Amazing, cool. Thank you so cool. much, Gemma, that was awesome. So great, thank, thank you. Wicked. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Girls Get Off podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Girls Get Off. You can join our Facebook group, Girls Get Off Uncensored. I think we've got more than 20,000 members in there at the moment. And if you'd like to leave us a rating, a review, that always helps us get higher in the charts. And every week we'll pick the most creative review to win a Missy Mini. Thanks for listening. 